All right, team, let me tell you about NewZest, clean plant-based nutrition products to meet the demands of modern life. And I'm super excited to announce that they are a sponsor of Wikipedia. With over a decade of experience and a presence in more than 20 countries worldwide, NewZest has emerged as a leader in providing innovative solutions for those seeking healthier and more sustainable choices. In a world where people are looking for clean labels, easily digestible ingredients and allergen-free options, NewZest delivers and totally has you covered. Clean Lean Protein is a plant-based protein powder and contains all nine essential amino acids. It encourages recovery, vitality, muscle repair and growth and helps you hit your protein requirements which you know I am all about. One of my favorite products is their Good Green Vitality. It's the gold standard in multi-nutrients. It's designed to make complex nutrition simple. The Super Blend is carefully formulated to address all aspects of health. 75 ingredients working together to support everything from digestion, immunity and healthy aging to stress, energy and cognition in one daily serve. Grab yours today, guys, with a sweet 20% discount for being a listener of the show with the code Wikipedia over at their website. And we will pop a link in the show notes for you to be able to do that. All right, now back to the show. Welcome. Hi. I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being, and I'm delighted that you're here. Hey everyone, it's Mickey here. You're listening to Wikipedia, and this week on the podcast, I welcome back Dr. Guillaume Millay to discuss sex differences in ultra-endurance events. Now, as someone who has just done a 50k, barely seems like an endurance event to be honest, or an ultra, uh, I'm very much interested in this topic, particularly given that I managed to beat out a couple of my most fierce competitors, one of them being Hubster, and the other one being my mate Christian. And actually, to be fair, in both cases uh, there were very clear reasons as to why I could possibly do better one because Christian is a very good technical runner and this was largely a road runners course and of course Hubster had just arrived back the day before from the UK so you know it probably wasn't just down to six differences alone which allowed me to beat them out but it does raise that interesting question what would it take or what is it that potentially creates an advantage for females in that ultra endurance space? And so Dr. Guillaume and I discuss the interplay between biology and behavior and how females are different from men and what possible advantages and disadvantages this may have over the longer distance. We also discuss biomechanics and how much of the differences in performance may be due to sociological differences. We discuss a ton more actually, um, and it includes Guillaume's dream event where true sex differences could be put to the test if money was no object, which was a super fun exercise and I think that you'll really love it. For those of you unfamiliar or who didn't catch my first episode with Guillaume, we'll pop a note in the show notes along with the studies that we discuss here, Dr. Guillaume Millet is a professor at Jean Monnet University 
From 1998 to 2013, he held various academic positions in France, including a four-year full-time research contract at the French National Institute for Medical Research. And in 2013, he moved to the University of Calgary, where he directed a research team of around 15 trainees in the Neuromuscular Fatigue Lab. He was also the vice chair of research of the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology, 2014 to 2016. Upon returning back to France in 2018, he received a very competitive IDEX-Leon Fellowship, which is a program that aims to attract outstanding scientists with a strong international track record, and he now leads the ACTDFS, Physical Activity and Fatigue Health Academic Chair. His general research area investigates the physiological, neurophysiological and biomechanical factors associated with fatigue, both in extreme exercise and in patients of um, neuromuscular diseases, cancer and the ICU. His research is focusing on understanding fatigue in order to create tailored rehabilitation programs for clinical populations. In 2021, he had published five books and over 260 journal articles. And he has supervised 37 postdoctoral fellows and PhD students from 13 different countries. And he has served as an external reviewer for over 60 PhD candidates. And he is pretty much very well revered in his field of study, which is super unsurprising. So I've put links to Guillaume's profile and his research gate so you can catch up on all of the research that we discuss uh, in this interview, in the previous interview and all of the other research projects that Guillaume has going on to date. Just before we crack on in though, a reminder that the best way to support this podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast listening platform and leave a five star review. That way it'll increase the visibility of the podcast out there in amongst the literally thousands of podcasts so more people get the opportunity to learn from the guests that I have on this show including Dr. Guillaume Millay. So please enjoy this conversation. Happy New Year, Gim. Um, thank you so much for taking time again out of your busy schedule to come and speak to me about um, sex differences. Interesting, though, on the basis of our previous conversation on fatigability and the flush model, I was uh, chatting to a friend yesterday telling them that I had recently downscaled my next race from the 100 kilometer to the 50 kilometer because I'm having some calf issues. And um, we both were like, oh, well, that mental burden's just like completely diminished now. And I thought of what we were discussing with um, stress in the athlete and how these things can sort of um, blow up in your head. Um, so, yeah, timely. And interesting on the basis of our conversation this morning, do you know Camille Heron or know the name Camille Heron? Yeah, of course I know the name, yeah. I don't know yeah. her personally, but I know the name, obviously, yeah. Yeah, and so I was just having a look at some of her Instagram posts, and she posted quite recently that she has the number three record in the world for the 48-hour uh, run distance time, which um, sort of blew me away. She said there are just two men in front of me. Uh, and... I imagine, actually, I'm not sure how surprised you are by that, but I did also think 48 hours is a very long time to be running. 
It is, <laughs> and that's probably one of the reasons. Well, first, she's she's exceptional. Uh, she's, a, she's a fantastic athlete, uh, but uh, the fact that she's uh, ranked third in the world is probably because this distance is is so long that there are not that many marks uh, about 48, 48 hours. Uh, so I, I can't remember on top of my mind how how is, is she's ranked on 24 hours, but uh, it's it's a bit more popular. So I, I doubt that she's uh, so well ranked. Um, but yeah, 40, but still, still third is, is is quite amazing. Yeah, in fact, that's such a good point as well, right? When you get into the, I'm I'm not sure how you would define that, like extreme ultra endurance events like there are just far few people who probably are mentally and physically able to line up on the start line for that kind of event it's there is no definition i mean you can put the the, the line where, wherever you like uh to me uh i would say that uh, 100 miles is still reasonable yes. uh, and then <laughs> yeah. over that at least for me personally that that was my limit so i was fine with the uh, utmb western states etc but when i tried then on it was only once the tour de Géant, which is uh, twice as much uh, that was to me that was too much uh so to, for me, at least, the limit is here. Uh, for people like Camille, I'm sure it's much further. For people, uh, for other people, it may be uh, less. So yeah, it really depends on the, on the person, your your physiology, your uh, of course your training history, etc. So, but yeah, I will I will put the mark at 100 miles for me. Yeah, no, I I totally appreciate that. And um, as far as I'm concerned, right here and now, I haven't even done 100 kilometers and. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but so that's fine. I'm actually okay with that, which is actually a big thing. Uh, anyway, uh, to our conversation today on sex differences in endurance performance, and it's interesting, and I'm sure, I mean, you'll be involved in the conversation, particularly over the last couple of years, looking at uh, sex differences in performance in general, and so Though we've had um, a couple of big meta-analyses that have been published. Maybe it was in 2021, I think, in British Medical Journal, that essentially says that at the minute we can't really make any um, sort of sweeping sex-based recommendations for performance. But this doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't differences which do impact outcomes over time. Would that be sort of how you would frame it, Guillaume? So I'm so I'm not sure I fully understood your question. So so you are saying that there are good meta-analysis, uh, recent meta-analysis on sex differences, uh, but I didn't get the question. So what 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 can you can you repeat? Yeah, yeah. So so despite the fact that we can't make training recommendations based on sex differences, this doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't differences in between men and women and their ability to perform, particularly okay, okay. over that long distance. Well, um, first, I'm not sure we cannot make a training recommendation based on sex differences because some people try try to do that. For instance, they some coaches try to uh, consider uh, menstrual cycles to 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 train their athletes. Uh, it's not very popular. Uh, I'm not sure this is actually needed, but I know that some coaches uh, take that into consideration. Uh, but for sure, there are there are many many differences between between uh, sexes and i guess this is the topic of today so we're going to cover that in details 
but uh, of course yeah there there are there are so many so many uh, uh, differences and so many things in common as well so yeah we can we can start talking about that so it's a, it's a fascinating topic yeah <laughs> and and i came across this um i it was a graph or a paper that was written in Asker Jupin Trot I can never say his name, but I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He did a, a lovely summary of sort of how women's performance times and men's performance times have changed over the years. And there was a sort of graph included that sort of showed a trajectory of performance for men that was um that didn't I mean of course it changed over the time but not the same in the same sort of trajectory that women's performance changed and particularly in that longer distance so there was you know slight or seemed to be much more slight improvement over the years in the shorter distances but then when we came to the longer distances there appeared to be quite a um steep um sort of performance jump do you think that that's a cultural sort of change in you know more people more women are running and therefore there's more possibility to get greater times do we think it's more biologically sort of related but when you see something like that Guillaume what's your initial understanding no this is definitely cultural uh, I mean there is no reason that the the change of performance uh, I mean the uh, the, the let, let me rephrase that. Uh, you're right that if if you look at the, for instance, the performance in marathon and the the evolution with time, uh, you, will, you will and if you consider only the last uh, forty years, you will see wow, females are improving so much their time while males are not. Uh, so the why, why is it is it biological? The, the the answer is no, definitively not. The answer is that uh, female have started to run uh, only a couple of decades ago. So of course there is much more room for improvement when you are when you don't have uh, so much of an history in in performance. And and for males it was uh, of course uh, in in uh, 1900. So um, and this is actually uh, uh, one of the reasons why we had this paper published in uh, Nature in uh, 1992, uh, where uh, and. And I insist it was published in Nature, so probably they're the best uh, scientific journal. And in this paper published in 1992, they were uh, guessing that females will actually beat uh, males in, in on the marathon in 1998. So it was six years from from where the, the from the time the the paper was published. And of course, we are now in 2023. <laughs> so of course, we know that uh, it did not happen. And in my opinion, it will never happen uh, for it. That we are going to discuss later, uh, and the reason why they made this uh, mistake is that they actually consider in this paper. Uh, it was now when you think about it, it, it seems crazy, but again, it was in Nature, and so it was published um, anyway. So they consider the the evolution of the marathon record, uh, like they took the best performance for each decade in the last. I can't remember off the top of my mind. I, can't, I haven't read the paper for a while, but uh, in the last maybe uh, five or six decades. And of course, you have this uh, slow decrease in, 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 in males and this uh, steep, uh, in, I mean, this slow increase in performance in males and this uh, steep increase in performance in females. And of course, you you cross the line uh, the very, very soon, like it was in six years from, from the, the time the paper was published. And this is, but the, the reason this is, this is crazy and it didn't happen is that the analysis itself was was crazy because this is not a linear it looks like it was a linear increase for females simply because uh it was 
they consider only one performance per decade and it was uh, and it and, and it was a uh, uh, performance uh, history from only a couple of decades so now we know that rather than continuing of course to to increase linearly the performance uh, increase uh, uh, non-linearly so you have this asymptote uh, in females like you have in males so and and, and now the the, perform, the two lines are parallel and the difference is around 10 percent 10 to 12 percent as in uh, many other distances, actually. So yeah, it was a it was a very funny, and they, they were the respected scientists uh, published in Nature again. Uh, but it, it was a funny a funny story. Yeah, well, that's interesting actually. That so the gap of ten to twelve percent in the marathon isn't actually that different if you compare the gap in a shorter distance. Is that what you're sort yeah. of saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Contrary to what we think, and again, this is uh, something we are going to cover later uh, in this discussion, I believe, uh, con but contrary to what we think, uh, the difference uh, in top athlete is not uh, reduced when you increase the distance. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so interesting. Um, and one of the papers that, um, and we'll move on to talk about, is in fact your you you had this you published a paper that had a, a like quite an extensive database looking at running endurance in women compared to men, and looking at sort of matching up similar uh, men and women in terms of their performance times to sort of have a look at the at the differences. Is that is that how you? how you would describe um, the genesis of that paper, Guillaume? Yes, so we were basically questioning the uh, sex differences in endurance. And this is uh, what we discussed. So if you, uh, okay, so if we, now we have discussed this uh, cultural and historical uh, bias. Uh, okay, now that females have started for, uh, more, uh, for more years to to run at uh, at high level. Okay, now we can we can definitely consider the the sex differences in uh, in performance and on different distances. However, as we just said, uh, if you consider the top athletes uh, and you look at the difference between 100 meters, 410k marathon, and ultra marathon, and you look at the uh, sex differences. Uh, there is actually no uh, reduction of the gap. So this is the so if you if you look that way, you will you will tend to conclude. Okay, so females are actually not more endurance because the gap is not reduced. However, when you do that, you have you still have to consider that despite the cultural uh, things is is uh, reduced, it's still there. What I mean by that is that if you look, for instance, in a marathon, uh, there is not 50% females at the start. Uh, it's uh, it's getting closer. Uh, it's more like 35 to 40%, but it's still not 50%. And if you look at ultra marathon, like the UTMB, now we are very far from uh, 50%. We are at 10%. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, in in the US, uh, maybe in, I don't know in New Zealand, but in other countries, it might be a bit more. It might be like twenty twenty five percent. But it's uh, in, I mean, I'm talking about hundred k, hundred miles races. Uh, but uh, in uh, in Europe, uh, but still, it's still very low. And in Europe, it's it's actually even lower at the UTMB again. And it has been like that from the beginning in two thousand and three. The percentage female at the start is ten percent. 
10, wow. 11. And game, and just just on that game, and I know that I don't know how much of this you know, but I'm just interested. Is it something to do with the way that they set up the entries to the event, or the way that they that you could qualify for that event, or is it literally that only ten percent of women and on basis the participants who enter are only sort of ten percent? Like there aren't women being turned away because. Um, I don't no, know, no, but... obviously not. I mean, uh, you have the same uh, chance to to be accepted if you're a man and, uh, or a woman, of course. Uh, however, there are there are, there are much less women uh, who applied to be uh, to enter in the race. So, and uh, the reason for that, I mean, of course, I don't have the the definitive answer for that. But the reason is, and this is what I was going to discuss, is is cultural, in my opinion. Might be a bit psychological, like some maybe females uh, are less uh, inclined to to do. Uh, they don't. I would I would say they don't need that to prove anything to anybody, uh, contrary to, to males. But the I don't think this is the main reason. To me, the main reason is that they have less time for to train because they have to take care of the family. The the the, the roles in the society is not is not uh, uh, fully uh, balanced uh, still nowadays. And uh, anyway, and I'm pretty sure this is the reason. Anyway, so ten percent. Uh, at the end of the day, we have 10% females at the start. So in terms of probability, you have much less chance to find a woman gifted to run ultras than a man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, of course, there is no reduction in the gap, as I said, but it doesn't mean that endurance is not better in females because if you have, if the the, the percentage stays the same, but you have less chance to have good women, then you may think, okay, maybe if you, if we were at 50, 50 at the start, maybe the, the, a new marathon, the, the, the gap will be, uh, reduced. Uh, and we have reasons to, to, to think that actually a woman are in terms of physiology are particularly gifted for endurance performance. And again, something we're going to discuss in, 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 in a couple of minutes. Uh, anyway, so if you look at the top performance, uh, there is no reduction of the gap as the distance increases. Now, if you look, so this, but I don't think if you if you consider that way, I don't think this is fair for women, because because of the reason I explained. I mean, there is not the same uh, pool of person uh, to to compete. Now, if you if you consider the average uh, time of men and women in function of distance, then you will conclude the exact opposite. Meaning that you will conclude that the the gap is reduced to a point that females tend to be even better than men, than males. Uh, but now I don't think this is fair for men. What I mean by that is that okay, maybe there are only ten percent females at the start, but I can tell you that when they are here, they are here for a reason, and they are super well prepared. I mean, they have they have a very specific characteristics. They are super tough, super, again, super well-trained. Uh, and this is, of course, the case for many men, but this is much less the case for the average man, I would say. Uh, so some people are going to do UTMB, for instance, like, yeah, I want to do UTMB. I'm not super well-prepared, but anyway, I, I do it. This is much less the case for women. So analyzing the average performance of men and women is not fair for men, in my opinion. So back to your initial question of, of the reason why we decided to analyze the performance by doing pairs is because 
if you consider top performance versus mean performance, the conclusion is completely opposite. Now we wanted to find another way to examine this question, and this is the the, the way we decided to examine the question. So uh, in this paper, we, we took uh, pairs and we were able, thanks to the UTMB group, who uh, kindly uh, gave us their database, we were able to, to make from uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, results. We were able to make 7,000 pairs of males and females who have run uh, two races uh, the same year, one short, one long. And so we, we, have, we matched the, the performance on the short distance and we examined whether the performance on the long distance was closer or further. And, uh, and with the hypothesis that it will, they will close the gap, the females will close the gap, and this is exactly what we found. And I think this is a, this is to me, of course, this is my paper. <laughs> this is our paper. So of course, I'm a bit biased, but uh, to me, this is the best uh, way to examine this question. I'm not saying this is a perfect method, but I think this is uh, much better than the other two methods that I explained. Yeah, for sure. And again, when you say short, you're talking about less than 60 kilometers. Is that right? So we're still, so there were some races in there in the, in the short category, which was still significantly long compared yeah, to say yeah, yeah, 10K. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. No, this is trail running. So there, there, there are no uh, very short uh, trail running races. So yeah, this is a uh, short, uh, uh, yeah, you're right, 30 to 50K, something like that. Uh, and then long, long doesn't mean necessarily uh, 100 miles. It, it's uh, it's longer. It could be 80K, 100K, etc. So but, but, so yeah, depending on the pairs, the, the, the difference in terms of uh, distances was not the same. But overall, with the statistical analysis, we we're able to, to estimate that uh, when you increase the, the if you take uh, a man and a woman uh, with the same performance actually it was not the same performance in terms of absolute performance so not the same running speed it was the same relative performance in percentage of the uh, winning time for males and females but anyway it doesn't change the uh, if if we had uh, chosen the the absolute performance it wouldn't have changed the the, the final outcome but anyway so if you if you took a, a man and a woman uh with the same uh performance relative performance and they both run a short and a long run then the gap will uh be closer uh, for the long race yeah again were you surprised by the finding or did you expect that this is what you would you would see based on those biological and physiological differences between men and women no, that was uh, again. That was uh, our hypothesis. We were uh, hoping to see that, uh, and but uh, still, uh, this is the first time that it has been shown uh, in my. Um, and uh, so yeah, we are well not happy or unhappy. I mean, at the end of the day, we are not here to. to we we don't have anything to we not to lose <laughs> by yeah, the result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was uh, yeah. This is this is what we anticipated uh, for sure. Uh, and the reasons uh, are because I've said a few times that we're going to discuss uh, physical yeah, so Here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> the reasons are, there are actually quite a few reasons. Yeah, um, let's talk about uh, them. Yeah. So 
maybe we can start by saying why females are slower. Uh, so yeah. on very short on very short distances or other disciplines where muscle strength and power is is very important. I guess it is quite obvious to to guess uh, why males are faster and stronger uh, they have they have more muscle mass well not me in particular i'm not that's that strong <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking but uh, yeah we have testosterone obviously and this is this is super important and uh, we have uh, a much higher uh, muscle mass much uh, higher power uh, maximal power and so that it's relatively obvious now if we look at the endurance performance uh, males, and we know that strength and power is not important anymore, um, but still, testosterone uh, has another very important uh, role, is that it triggers uh, erythropoiesis. So because of that, we have more uh, red blood cells, and we have more capacities to carry oxygen in our blood, and this is one of the reasons why we have a, a higher view to max. So in, 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 in average, uh, men have a higher view to max, like 10% higher, even if you normalize by body mass. And even if you normalize by lean body mass, if you consider the body fat percentage, you still have a 5 to 10% difference between males and females in average. Can and I ask you a question, for- Guillaume? Yeah. Um, when you're talking about, when you were, we're talking about muscle mass and sort of strength and power, so even the power to weight ratio, so even relative, like you've got a small female runner who might have a lot of muscle mass for her size. Yes. Similarly, um, a male who might be the same relative, he will still be stronger and will still yeah, have yeah, yeah. a bit more power. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a good point. I should have said that, but it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not only because we are taller, bigger, even if you normalize to body mass, this is the same. And this is the same for view to max, as I was saying. If you normalize to, of course, if you consider absolute view to max for the same reason, because we have more muscle mass, the, the view to max in average is dif- difference is like 30%. But of course, this is not the way we should uh, consider that. So if you normalize by body mass, then we have 10 to 15% difference. Now, if you consider the body fat, because females have, in average, a higher, uh, like 15% higher body fat, uh, then the difference is still there. I mean, it's lower, obviously, but still there. And it's uh, it's more like between 5 and 10%, but this is still huge, right, in terms of performance. So the first reason why uh, males are faster, even in endurance performance, where power and strength doesn't matter anymore, uh, do not matter anymore, is because of this uh, bigger view to max. So again, view to view, bigger, uh, larger view to max is due to the fact that we have more uh, higher hematocrits, so more red blood cells. Also, we have a bigger heart, uh, and especially a left ventricles. And, and again, this is due to the role of testosterone. Uh, so we have a greater cardiac output. Um, Etc. So, because of those reasons, uh, view to max is higher, and this is uh, one of the main reasons why, uh, in endurance performance, because view to max is such an important factor in performance, we have uh, better performance. As uh, I mean, males have better performance. So, and so back to the question: Why females are closing the gap uh, when the distance increase? The reason I'm I'm starting with view to max is because actually view to max take less and less importance as the distance increases. So we have shown that in ultramarathon it's still important to have a good view to max. And if you took 
If you look at the best ultra runners like Kilian Jonet, uh, Jim Wamsley, etc., they still have a very good view to max. But uh, this is not as important as on shorter distances. So I would say that for females, if you if you consider uh, ultra marathon. Because they have a lower view to max, of course, this is not a good thing, but this, this is less of a problem as compared to shorter distances. Okay. Uh, Guillaume, do we have, and this is a slight tangent, but are there cutoffs that define what a uh, what an elite VO2 max is versus a good age grouper and, and, and things like that? Like, do we, do we have those sort of numbers just out of interest? Uh, yeah, so the top top view to max in uh, in males are probably around ninety five milliliters per minute per kilogram, and in females it's uh, it's more like eighty. Wow. So yeah, there is a huge gap. That uh, is huge. But again, this is this is not. Uh, I don't have the data in kilogram lean body mass, uh, but it is, uh, the, so the gap is a bit smaller as as we discussed. But yeah, it, this still the the five ten percent difference is still there, uh, even for the top. And and this is true for any any uh, level of performance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. This is, very, this is very consistent. So this is not only for elite. Uh, in average, in average uh, view to max is lower for females for the mainly for the the two reasons that I mentioned: so left ventricle size and and uh, hematocrit. Um, okay, so the first reason why, in my opinion, females are closing the gap is because they have a less view to a uh, lower view to max, but view to max is less important as the distance increases. So this is like a kind of a negative reason. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's less important. So it doesn't sort of almost it's a um, it's that's important in the shorter distance. But here we've removed that barrier, I suppose. Yes, not completely removed, but less important. Okay, less important. It's still there, there, and this is the reason why I think that hundred miles is too short uh, to see one day a female winning UTMB or big ultras because it's it's still too short and view to max is still relatively important uh, less than on shorter distance but still relatively important even for 100 miles races do you think courtney might prove you wrong at some point no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I i wish uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I actually know her personally and I, I will be super happy to see her winning the utmb that'd be amazing but yeah 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 okay um, cool uh Anyway, the second reason is because they have a better endurance, uh, and endurance is probably related to uh, differences in terms of uh, muscle fiber composition. So females in general have a greater percentage uh, type 1 fibers. Uh, when you consider, it's not like the number of fibers is different between males and females. Uh, it is the surface occupied by the type 1 fibers is, is greater in females. So this is, at the end of the day, this is what matters. Uh, and so this is like a, like a detail, but uh, I still wanted to to make sure that uh, this is very clear to everyone. Um, anyway, so the 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 volume, let's put it that way, the volume of uh, type one fibers is like relative volume uh, is is uh, greater in percentage in females compared compared to males. And of course, we know that this is uh, this is important in terms of uh, fatigue resistance and and endurance. Yeah, for sure. And can you remind us um, or tell the listener what the difference is between those type 1 and type 2 fibers, um, which I know that you talk about all the time in your work, but um, people may be less familiar with what that actually is. 
Yeah, so we all have different uh, fiber types in, in our muscles, and there are basically three uh, main fiber types, type 1, type 2A, and type 2B, or 2E. Uh, 2X, uh, not that many, especially in endurance runners. Uh, so it's mainly type 2B, uh, sorry, 2A, uh, who are still, which are still uh, uh, fast twitch fibers. So the, the fast twitch fibers are more uh, powerful. They have a greater uh, shortening the contraction velocity, uh, a greater glycolytic activity. So th those fibers are here to uh, to do a high intensity performance. And, and on the contrary, you have a type 1 fibers, uh, there are fatigue resistance, uh, more uh, less glycolytic, so more aerobic sources of energy. They have uh, a greater concentration of, uh, of uh, mitochondria, et cetera, et cetera. So, and th those fibers are, are, of course, designed to, for long, long, um, distance uh, long duration uh, exercises and this is the type of fibers that females have in a, a greater quantity in terms of course in percentage as compared yeah to um this is a slight tangent and i don't know if you do know this but is there a reason why women would have more of the type one fibers compared to the type two from i don't know yeah like it has what, what would the reason be do we know Yes, it's probably because uh, training and uh, any type of training, but of course, particularly uh, like kind of high intensity doesn't mean to be like super high intensity, but high intensity training tend to uh, to increase the uh, the type two fibers. Uh, and because males have more type two fibers, uh, the, the effect of, of training, well, in general on, on muscle mass, but particularly on type 2 fibers, is greater on males. So that uh, it's not like, it's almost like the, the other around, meaning that uh, it's not like females have, of course, this is the same, the same conclusion, but it's not like females have, have more uh, type 1 fibers. It's, it's more like the other way around, like males have more type 2 fibers. Uh, and again, again, this is, this is related to testosterone probably. Uh, so we have, when we train, because of testosterone, we are increasing uh, muscle mass much more than females, and this is the reason why we have a greater muscle mass, because if you consider muscle mass before puberty, uh, there is no difference between uh, boys and girls, and then after puberty, when testosterone uh, uh, comes in, then of course we the males uh, tend to increase their muscle mass uh, because of that. And, uh, and this is particularly true for type 2 fibers, and this is the reason why the the, the distribution, uh, again, not in terms of number, but in terms of the volume of type 2 and type 1 fibers, tend to change, and, and males have more type 2 and females have more type 1 fibers. But anyway, it's long distance short. At the end, uh, females have more uh, type 1 fibers, so they are particularly suited for endurance performance. And it goes with uh, greater capillarity, uh, so they are more able to deliver oxygen to their muscle, um, and as well as a substrate such as uh, um, uh, sorry, uh, lipids. Um, yeah. Uh, I was I'm looking for a word, but anyway, so. And um, and they also have so this is this is another, another very important reason um, and explaining why they also have a, probably a better resistance to fatigability uh, as we demonstrate. 
as we demonstrated in a, in a couple of papers. And they also have, uh, which is probably also important to explain, the fact that they are closing the gap, as we showed in, this, in, in the paper we discussed earlier, is the fact that they have a better, what we call, a metabolic flexibility. Um, so they are able to use more fats for a given uh, intensity at a given intensity. Uh, we know that for males and females, when you increase intensity, you are using more and more carbohydrates and less fat. But at a given percentage of U2 max, females use more fat uh, than males, meaning that they can save uh, their glycogen. And also, they are using less amino acids. And this is probably one of the, this is maybe, it's not like that clear, but it could be one of the reasons why this is, uh, this is probably another good thing in terms of, uh, ultra endurance performance. Because if you, if you have to use less amino acid, maybe this is also a good thing for, for your, for your muscles. And, uh, Guillaume, is any of this changeable that we're talking about with those muscle fibers? I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent as well. I appreciate that, but it's interesting. I remember doing phys ed and talking about, uh, fiber types but not really engaging that much in it because I was like 18 or 19 or something but I remember knowing or, or thinking I knew that you could sort of shift from one type to another type with training like so is that is that true is that still what we think happens with fibers you do you detrain and you end up with more type one as opposed to type two uh, well you can you can definitely definitely change your typology but this is because the changes are relatively minor, so meaning that you have to train a lot to observe significant changes, but this is still possible. What happens very early in training is that if you are like completely sedentary, you may have, and this is uh, almost counterintuitive, but you may have a, a greater percentage of type 2X, so the fastest uh, fiber types that I was mentioning earlier. Um, now, if you if you start to train, and uh, funny enough, is if, if you start to train in resistance type activities or endurance type activities, this is the same. It's uh, uh, usually, of course, the the training effects are very different uh, for those two types of activity. But here, uh, this is one of the rare uh, cases where this is you have the same consequence. Uh, the percentage of type two X is reduced. Uh, in favor of the percentage of type 2A. Oh, interesting. Now, if you train in endurance for many years, you can increase your percentage of type 1 fibers. Uh, but it's like super slow, like 1% per year or 1.5% per year. So this is this is very slow. This is still possible. And, and this is true for males. I mean, in males, you can probably, and I mean, not probably, it's, 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 uh, it has been shown that you can also increase your percentage of type 1 fibers. But still, at the end, uh, if you take, well, we don't have actually that many data in elite. So what I'm saying here in terms of uh, males versus females difference in terms of typology is for the general population or trained population, but not elite. So we don't even know, like, uh, we don't know the fiber type composition of uh, Francois Den or Kylian Jonet. So maybe they have, like, and it's likely that actually they have a super high percentage of type 1 fibers. It's uh, it's quite obvious, but it, it has never been measured, uh, in my to my knowledge. Uh, but is it uh, still lower than Courtney or Camille Aaron? We don't know. Uh, it's it, it's possible. So what I'm saying here is like a general physiology, 
And as usual, when you talk about physiology, you still have to keep in mind that in elites, it might be a bit different. And again, another example, this is different, but still, since we're talking about difference between elite and non-elite, is that, and, but this is still related to the topic of the day, uh, because it is sex differences in terms of pacing. So we have this common idea that uh, females have a better pacing than males, meaning that they start slower. Maybe we can get that to that later, but still, um, they start slower, so they are basically smarter. Um, <laughs> and, and this is true. Uh, if you look at the paper, oh, well, this is less true in ultra marathon, but generally speaking, this is true, that the pacing is more even for females than males. Uh, but this is true for the like the general athletic population. If you look at the marathon pacing in elite males and females, yeah, we have no difference anymore, you know, uh, because in the males, maybe like an, a typical average uh, marathon runner will make the mistake, male uh, marathon runner will make the mistake of starting too fast for different reasons that could be actually related to testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and not, not females, uh, yeah. or, or less females. Um, I still, it's still positive split for females on marathon, but less. Uh, however, if you look at the pacing strategies of top marathon runners, males and females, then there are no differences anymore. Oh, it's interesting. See, Guillaume, I think what you need is a big budget in your lab to then go and get muscle biopsies from all of the professional runners that you know so you can um, get actual data. But I can't imagine how many of them will want to, no, 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 but, want uh, to be able to like, get something funny, stuck in the It's funny that you're talking about that because if I was able to find, let's say, $100 million, yeah. what I would, not not that much money yes, for some yeah. for some for some people. So if uh, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos uh, hear this uh, podcast, maybe maybe he can contact me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I think Jeff actually listens to Wikipedia, to be honest. So um, so I'll uh, no, tag him when no, this no, when uh, this comes uh, out. Of course, it's a joke, but uh, <gasps> yeah, this is the reason why I'm saying this joke. If I'm yeah. able to find this budget, what I would do is organize a race uh, to see the real uh, capacities of women in endurance. So the race will be 500K uh, without at any head station, and the winner will win uh, $10 million. Oh, amazing. In five, in five years, so that yeah. uh, females have time to prepare. Now we'll see if, if it attracts uh, lots of females to, to, to get this amount of money. Uh, now we have a reason to think that if we do that, maybe we'll have much more than 10% female entering this race. Yeah. So we have a larger pool of females, so more uh, chance to have a good genetic, like genetics such as Camille and, uh, or Courtney. And because this is so long that view to max is even less important and endurance and all the, the positive aspects related to uh, a, a good endurance in females are even more important, then we'll see if uh, females cannot uh, win this race. And now, I'm, as I said, I'm pretty certain, I hope to be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that I will never see uh, a woman winning the UTMB. But this type of race, uh, it could be different. Yeah, you might expect it. And Guillaume, why would you take out the aid stations? Uh, because of this uh, advantage to again to favor females because they have this better ability to to use fats yes. so they, they need less uh, carbohydrate during the race so this is again to favor females and this is the variety of uh, of uh, human beings right uh, there were uh, 
in the past there were not at stations where you were going for hunting, right? So yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. And actually on that then, does that then sort of speak to over the longer distance, females may not need as much fuel going in at any given time compared to males? Like, is that what you're thinking? Uh, Probably, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which would, of course, be advantageous from a GI issue perspective. Yeah, it is. Uh, In theory, uh, the reality is that... uh, this is not the case. If you, there are not that many good studies on, on that topic. But uh, from what I know, uh, from what I know, the differences between males and females in terms of uh, GI distress is not that uh, pronounced. So, and, and if there is a difference, it's actually the other way around. I mean, females tend to have more uh, GI distress, as far yes. as I know. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, interesting. But uh, still, they in theory they they need to they need to eat less. Yeah. Um. So if we move to the pacing side of things before we come to biomechanical, because you did mention it. So so in your research, have you discovered that men tend to uh, confuse their ambition with their ability, so they go out go out way too quick and end up sort of dying off, but women are much more sensible. Yes. Um, again, as we discussed earlier, this is not true for elite athletes, but uh, for the average runners, this is true. Um, even so, this is, as I said, I, I believe uh, less true in ultra for some reasons. I don't know why exactly, but anyway, so generally speaking, this is true. Um, but so, yeah, one way to analyze this uh, result is to say, okay, so women are smarter. So they, uh, so they start slower because they know this is better for them, uh, for, for performance, which is probably true. I mean, that you are okay. smarter, but it's a different thing. <laughs> uh, seriously speaking, uh, I think this is, it could be that, but it could also be related to the physiological differences that we discussed. I mean, if you have a greater power, maximal aerobic power, so a greater view to max, it makes also sense that you start faster than if you have a lower view to max and a better endurance so at the end of the day the differences in pacing strategies between males and females may at least partly reflect the fact that sexes have different physiological abilities you, you know what i mean so it, it makes sense like it's it it makes sense that if you have a greater endurance and a lower view to max you start slower and if you look at the uh like among females and among males like of course there are also differences uh, we are talking about the differences in between males and females but we also of course have to always have to remember that among females and among males there are much larger differences like among a given sex than between the average difference between males and females of course yeah yeah uh, so if you look at the view to max the lowest and the greatest view to max in males and females of course this is huge so anyway so if you took two males or two females with a different view to max and different endurance it is also likely that that their pacing strategy will be different like naturally different and uh so it, again, it probably explains why uh, we have this uh, uh, difference in terms of pacing strategies between sexes. Uh, now, the cognitive issue, the fact that you are uh, really uh, doing your best to not start too fast um, may exist, may still exist. Uh, it's difficult to differentiate between the, the two, the cognitive and the physiological, if you wish. Um, 
And uh, I was joking by saying maybe this is due to testosterone, but uh, I'm Actually. thinking that this is for real, like you, yeah. you know, that we, we don't want to be, and especially if you start to, to see a woman overpassing you, then you will tend to, <laughs> and this is probably one of the reasons why men are starting too fast because they don't want to be fast. But at, at the end, so they, it, it just makes things worse at the end of the day <laughs> because they start even, even uh, faster uh, and that's yes. it. Yes, I have had many races where I have sort of started out conservatively, but I, I would do that anyway. And then across the course of the event, pass um, several people, including a lot of males, to then have them run past me again and then absolutely fade. Um, uh, it's always like quite hilarious at the time and and quite satisfying, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there are many stories like that. Yeah. Um, what, um, Guillaume, what about the biomechanical um, differences? Because I do understand that just the way that the, the woman's sort of pelvis or her hip angle or something, does that, ch- does that change performance outcomes or endure- sorry, endurance outcomes? Uh, it is a difficult question. Uh, there is no definitive answer uh, to my knowledge. Uh, but one thing uh, you need to remember, something we haven't discussed in terms of performance, we have talked about the differences in V2max, in endurance, but we haven't talked about the last uh, pillar of performance, which is running economy. Uh, so V2max in favor of, fem- of males, endurance in favor of females, running economy, it's a, a new game. I uh, game. Yeah. So no, basically there is no not uh, a great difference in terms of running economy between males and females. Some people have said that uh, because um, this is a complicated issue, but because of a scaling question, like if you normalize usually running economy like view to max, you, you divide by kilogram body mass. Uh, but uh, this is uh less uh an advantage if you do that this is less an advantage for smaller runners uh, and in average run uh, females are smaller so if you were uh, normalizing by kilogram uh exponent 0.75 so this is a bit technical but anyway so again long this long uh, story short uh the difference between the sexes is minimal uh if there is a difference, it will tend to be in favor of females. But again, I think we should consider that the difference is, is almost uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so that's not the place to look for. Yeah. These, so these biomechanics. Uh, the reason I'm talking about running economy, well, first because I think it's important to mention that there is no differences, no sex differences uh, at this level. And uh, the other reason is that yeah, biomechanics. Uh, if it uh, uh, the, the impact of biomechanics will be throughout uh, running economy, uh, and we know that as you started to discuss that there are uh, biomechanical differences uh, that can be uh, spatial temporal, like in terms of uh, contact time, uh, stride frequency, but also uh, it could be um, uh, kinematics or kinetics. Um, 
And as you started to discuss, of course, the Q angle, uh, the Q angle is different uh, between males and females because uh, females have a wider pelvis, uh, etc. So yeah, there are definitely differences. Uh, the functional uh, consequence, the biomechanical consequences of that, and the impact of, on performance and on injuries is much less certain. It's it's a it's a debated issue, uh, and it is. Well, first, as usual, uh, we don't have a definitive answer because there are not that many studies that have studied females. Uh, of course, more and more, but still, uh, still uh, not that many. Um, another issue is the fact that uh, if you consider, let's take, for instance, uh, contact time or strike frequency, it has been shown that uh, at a given speed, uh, females have a shorter contact time and a greater strike frequency but it has been often measured at a given speed. Since the maximal speed is, in average, slower for females, at a given speed, it means that they are at a greater percentage of their max. And we know that if you increase your speed, if you approach your maximal speed, you will have a shorter contact time and a greater strike frequency. So if you normalize in terms of percentage maximal speed or maximal aerobic speed, then the differences disappear. You know, so this is a you know this is a complex issue. Yeah, sounds it. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and again, what about thermoregulatory differences? I, as I understand it, across the menstrual cycle, at least there are changes in how a woman might um be able to sort of cool off in sort of extreme heat or environments or or something like that. So does any of that play a role in fatigability over endurance when we're comparing men and women? Not that much. Cool. Uh, yeah. Again, this is an area where the the answer is not uh, is not that that clear, but uh if I had to say something, I would say that the difference is uh, like running economy is not is not uh, not very important. So definitely not the main the main issue. I mean, uh, men and women can can do uh, fantastic jobs in in the heat, uh, but it's more it's not more like women than men. It's it's both. We know that uh, as uh, human beings, we are very good compared to other species to run yeah. in the heat. Yeah. But this is true for males and females. Yeah, yeah. That's so, no, reassuring. I, think, I, I think. I don't think this is. A, and and uh, in terms of menstrual cycles, uh, again, I'm not saying that uh, this is not uh, an issue. Uh, of course, we know that uh, something happened during. Uh, I'm not an expert in in uh, an expert in hormones, uh, but uh, of course there are there are changes over the cycle. But the the changes are relatively minimal uh, compared to. For instance, males and females differences, and uh, and uh, sometimes uh, I I can read that uh, there are not that many uh, studies in females because of that. It makes things more complicated, etc. Yeah, but we sh- probably, but we should not overestimate the effects of menstrual cycles on yes. performance. So this is definitely not a reason to not study females. Yes. Yeah. No, I appreciate. I appreciate what you're saying there, and I think it's probably reassuring to know for women out there listening that actually it's you know because again, if I think about stress and an event and training, like if you uh, turn something into a big deal, but in fact it isn't, like that actually that will change how you perform on any given sort of day in itself, really. No, no, we should we should not uh, underestimate the effect, uh, but we should not overestimate it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, nice. Either. Nice. And then finally, what about neuromuscular fatigue, Guillaume? Like, you know, how does that 
differ between men and women? So we have done a couple of studies to study this particular question. Um, uh, the first one at UTMB uh, in 2012. And what we found is that uh, the race was 110 kilometers and we compared males and females in terms of uh, neuromuscular fatigue or fatigability. We call that fatigability nowadays, but it's the same, neuromuscular fatigue. Um, and which, which is defined as a reduction in maximal strength uh, after the after the race. And what we found uh, by then is that uh, females were less fatigued uh, at the end, and particularly at the muscle level, because oh, we differentiated, as we discussed in the previous episode, we differentiate uh, central and peripheral components of neuromuscular fatigue. So it was mainly due to the fact that the muscle fatigue was attenuated in females, and because it was. Uh, in a way expected because of this, uh, uh, what we discussed today, like better endurance, uh, greater percentage of uh, type 1 fibers that are fatigue resistance, etc. So it was expected, but we were like, okay, is it only true to in, in uh, ultras or is it true on shorter distances as well? So we went back to ETMB in 1919, in, sorry, in 2019, and we uh, did the study again, uh, so comparing males and females, but over different distances uh, from 40, 40K to uh, 170K. And what we found is that, again, uh, female, females tend, tended to have uh, attenuated fatigability, but that was true for uh, short and long distances. So it was not specific to ultra. Um, and, um, and again, it was mostly uh, muscle uh, fatigability that was attenuated. And we did another uh, thing, even though we are uh, physiologists, uh, we still kind of investigated uh, very basic, but still investigated the psychological aspects. So we, what, we did, what we did was only ask our subjects, uh, males and females, okay, did you go to do a... a your best in terms of performance to really race uh, competitively, or did you do it more for fun, just to finish the race? With this idea that uh, maybe there will be a, a sex differences again with this uh, testosterone uh, uh, component, etc. And actually, um, we we definitely have to to conduct more studies on that topic, but because the answer was there was a difference. Uh, females, pre at least they pretended uh, that they were more here for fun and males <laughs> pretended that they were more here for performance. Oh, but interesting. I must add that if we now compare their finishing or their average speed in percentage of uh, maximal aerobic speed that we measured in the lab in the weeks before, there was no difference any, anymore between males and females. So maybe it's just a Maybe they were, I don't know. So this we are at this point uh, uh, now, but um, uh, the, the reality is that maybe this is only uh, males pretending that they are not pushing because they are like, no, I'm, not, I'm doing it for fun. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not super serious about performance, but maybe they are. And, and for males, this is the opposite. I'm here to do the, uh, I'm tough. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing the race and maybe they are not pushing as much as they are pretending. They've got much so, more of a competitive edge to them. Yeah, so we, but, okay. No, but the reason, this is the reason I was talking about this, uh, but again, we are physiologists, we are not psychologists, but the reason I was talking about this uh, result is that when we talk about fatigability, 
uh, it may not be 100% uh, due to differences in physiology. Could the, the psychological aspect not pushing because we are measuring at the end of the race. So, of course, if you push less, you're going to be, to be less fatigued. So maybe yeah. this plays a role. But I still believe that the physiology is the major uh, component to explain the difference in sexes in terms of fatigability. Yeah, completely. So, Gim, with all of this sort of information and, um, and you know, for the potential reasons why at some point in the future over the, the longer distances, that, that gap is obviously sh- uh, uh, shortening to a point that maybe women will overtake men. Is there any practical application from this information that I can take as an athlete or coaches can take and use with their athletes? Um, yeah, so so first we have to yeah to, to remember that uh, we have this uh, reduction in the gap uh, between males and females. So this is, I think, a very important information. Uh, we haven't completely discussed that, but uh, we, we have in a way uh, the fact that it doesn't mean that uh, women are better in ultras than men, uh, as some journalists are saying. Uh, if you look at the, like even Courtney or Camille, uh, it may be the exception of this 40 hours, uh, 48 hours, uh, because this is a very, very specific race. But if you take uh, races such as uh, 100 miles, etc., like the best performance, uh, like Courtney, basically, she was able to be at six to seven percent. Uh, behind the the best when behind the best males and I'm talking about races where the best males were present like UTMB Western States Uh, but but because of course uh, if you look at the results sometimes you will see yeah uh, females won the race so does it mean that uh, females are better and neutral than males no this is most of the time because there was no good uh, man at the start but if you, if you if you take a top top races such as western states and or utmb this is where we are at like uh, 6 to 7% for the for the best females and courtney i think is is quite exceptional uh, maybe she's exceptional because there are not that many women at the start, but uh, no, she's she's very exceptional. Yeah, she's just exceptional. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, back to your question. I think we have discussed a couple of things that could be uh, that could be um, uh, applied uh, in terms of training. Uh, first, in terms of uh, uh, feeding strategies, uh, nutritional strategies. Uh, yeah, probably females. Do not have to eat as much as males. Uh, meaning maybe, and this is a common mistake, probably done by uh, males and females to overhydrate or overheat uh, during ultra. So I think it should be avoided, and particularly in females, maybe. And also in terms of training, uh, because they are like naturally gifted for endurance, maybe they need to do less, uh, like super long endurance training sessions and more. Uh, maximal aerobic power uh, development session so yeah. in terms of uh, but i'm not a coach so this is a very yeah. simple uh, recommendation that if i had to train a male and a female maybe i will ask my uh, female athletes to do more uh, interval training sessions and maybe less uh endurance type uh sessions um, yeah so this is what i would say um yeah, and then there there are some discussion in terms of uh, injury preventions that should be also specific between men and women. But I'm I'm less a specialist on this area. But I know that uh, some some injuries are, are more specific to to females. So you also have to 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 
to really read this literature and make sure that you do the, the right prevention for females and, and males, because this is not exactly the same types of injuries. So yeah, there are, there are, there are a couple of things here. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. And with regards to the distance then, um, so are we talking about 100 miles and beyond where this sort of might kick in? Or is actually when you looked at your research, you found that sort of above 60 kilometres, this is where, you know, some of these sort of principles may be applied like the sort of change in training or the, the feeding strategies? Uh, yeah, I was talking about trail running. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But this yeah. Is, I think this is, uh, this is applicable to uh, all uh, endurance distances, like even if you are training for a half marathon, for instance, I think this is still, this is still true. Okay. And is it applicable? Like I know we're talking about trail running. Do you see this? Do we know if this also applies in, say, endurance cycling or those other um, long endurance sports would you expect it to be different well most of the topics that we discussed today are applicable to other sports yeah. uh, even though yeah. the differences in terms of uh, performance is uh, not the same for instance if uh, let's take uh, swimming uh, the, the fact uh, so when i was talking about this six seven percent difference uh, for now in terms of the best uh, females keeping in mind that there are much less women at the start, but still, uh, this is the, the data we have at the moment. Um, if you look at the the super long uh, swimming races, uh, by super long, I mean over 30 kilometers. Like 10 kilometers is too short, because if you look at the, the results at the Olympics, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the open water is at the Olympics, I, I believe it is, but uh, at least for the World Championships, uh, the, the performance in males and females are still uh, different like males are faster even on 10k uh, swimming distance so this is too short but if you <laughs> too short if you if you <laughs> consider like uh, even longer like 30 kilometers and and uh, longer distances in swimming then females actually are very close to the best males uh, and one of the reasons is probably the fact that this uh, greater percentage body fat that is of course the huge disadvantage in in running is not a disadvantage and actually almost an advantage in terms of buoyancy and in swimming. So this is probably yeah, yeah, the reason sure. why the gap is closed, is a, is a smaller in, in swimming than in rain. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And Guillaume, if I have to um, put you on the spot, as I will with my final question, um, in what year will we see women surpass men in the ultra running event, in a long ultra running event? Never, in my opinion. <laughs> depending, okay. no, but depending on the distance, as I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why I want uh, Jeff Bezos to give me ten million dollars so that I can <laughs> my, my race on the five hundred kilometers, and then maybe yes. we'll see. Maybe we'll see uh, the best woman uh, overcoming uh, the best man. Yeah, nice. I love but it. I'm, I'm, uh, like, yeah, again, I'm I'm joking, but I'm uh, I'm I'm half serious. Yes, uh, no, I, I, I appreciate. It, we need longer if so to be a, a bit more serious if you take UTMB uh, yeah. you know this kind of and this is back to the very first part of the discussion where you are asking me to define what I consider extreme exercise uh, so for races like 100 miles like UTMB uh, I think it will never happen uh, again I don't think I will see a man uh, I mean a woman uh, winning UTMB but now, if you consider Tour de Géant or even longer races, 
maybe this is a different story. Like I would love to see uh, Courtney uh, preparing very seriously the Tour des Géants and uh, beating again François Den or the top, top, uh, top, top. Uh, I think this is even too short. Uh, but how about uh, two uh, two loops two of the Tour des Géants? You yeah. know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know. It's I know it seems crazy, but it's not if you because yeah, the longer you are, the the more, uh, the more the the better it is for women. So yeah. we just need to find a, a distance that is long enough so that we can see the the woman uh, overpassing all the men. Yeah, that will that would be amazing, uh, Guillaume. And um, I'll put that note out to Jeff to tell him to contact you after our yeah. conversation uh, today. I, I, Give you my uh, phone number if he wants, if he wants to contact me. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Guillaume, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. And where can people um, find your research? Is ResearchGate the best place? No, I have my uh, personal website, www.kinesiologi.com. Perfect. And of course, and I will pop that in the show notes along with a link to our first conversation on um, the flush model and uh, fatigability. Guillaume, um, always a really lovely pleasure to speak to you today. Have a fabulous rest of your day. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Bye-bye. Take care. Great team, hopefully you enjoyed that and I think that the idea of having a race that extends for hundreds of kilometres with absolutely no support would really put to test the sex differences between male and females in that ultra endurance space and my goodness wouldn't that be super cool if that was to ever go down. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed that. And next week on the podcast, we speak to Professor Don Lehman. He's also already been on the show all about uh, amino acids and protein uh, number two a whole heap of new information covering different material i think you're really gonna love it until then though you can catch me over on instagram threads and twitter at mickey willardin facebook at mickey willardin nutrition head to my website mickey book a one-on-one call with me all right team you have the best week see you later